I found the best thing I can say when people ask me what I think is I need to tell the story of my experience just a succinct, hey, I hear you want to know what I think about that, but it's important for me that you know I tend to be punished when I engage in these conversations because the culture war is so severe that people do things with their ideas about what you think and they're they're organizing me according to their value structure with that bullet point or that word. And so my feed forward has been, hey, I'm happy to have the conversation with you, but it's important that I let you know I've I've been punished in the past trying to have conversations like this. That may not be what you're trying to do, but I may invite myself away from this if I start feeling like I'm being punished. Where are the answers I see? Where are the hopes I need? Answer this for me. Help me to believe. Hey everybody, welcome back to Plain Ordinary Dragon. I want to start today off with just a little bit of gratitude. I just want to say thank you. Thank you for spending your time with us. You know, you've heard me say it before. Time is the most precious resource we have. And the fact that you are willing to spend a little of yours with us today is very humbling. We no, never take that for granted. So I just want to say thank you once again for being part of the Plain Ordinary Dragon community. Uh, I want to say thank you for sharing the episodes, for listening to the episodes, uh, for talking about them, for joining the, the Facebook group and checking out the Instagram site, all of that stuff. Thank you so much. I just, I appreciate it so much that, that you're willing to to do that with us and we're excited to have you on part of our journey now on to today's episode i'm really excited about today's episode because it's a little different for me have you ever had one of those moments that was just unexpectedly wonderful that's what this podcast is to me. I was not expecting this uh, to come out the way it did. In fact, I didn't even know this guest uh, ahead of time. He was uh, a friend from uh, of Calliope's. If you listened to last week's episode with Calliope, well, uh, Calliope had told him about the podcast, and he reached out, and we started talking a little, and I said, you know what? I'd love to have you on the podcast. So he came out, and we went ahead and, and spent some time talking, and I just want to say that I learned so much in this process uh, of talking with Gabriel today. He has a very interesting perspective on things, uh, on life, and I learned a lot. Um, and and we, we may talk a little bit more about that at the end, uh, but I really just don't want to wait. I really want to get you in there so that you can, can hear the conversation. So uh, without further ado, here is Gabriel Akins. I'll let you introduce yourself. Sure. <laughs> hey, Elliot. <laughs> My name is Gabriel Akins. I know very little about you at this point, other than <laughs> we've been chatting for a couple hours, and it feels like we're friends at this point. Absolutely. <laughs> Tell me a little bit about yourself. Are, are you from Alabama? From Alabama. Um, grew up, before Winter Storm 93, I lived in Trustful. And so after the Winter Storm, we moved to Irondale, and I graduated from Leeds High School. Gotcha. So you're 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 a homegrown product. Homegrown, and at the foot of Pine Mountain here, uh, the interstate side of Pine Mountain is where my mama grew up, and she lives just over in Argo here. So it's kind of a homecoming in some ways. Oh yeah, oh yeah. What was what was your home life like? I mean, how how did that start? Uh, so <laughs> I just got done putting a lot of this into a song recently. My parents did the best they could. I think all parents. A lot of them do. A lot of them do. My needs were taken care of. Uh, I was allowed to go be part of 
other things that brought contrast to my life. Like I grew up in a kind of a Boy Scouts program where I got to be outdoors a lot. And that was very good for me. But, um, you know, my home life had had its own bit of trauma, too. You know, before I came along, my dad had a vasectomy that didn't take. Oh. And the reason why I got a vasectomy is because they had already had my middle brother, Josh, and my mom had my oldest brother with another man who was abusive and had shot both of them. Really? He had uh, lost all control. He had some some difficulties with mental health. He had lost all control, had shot them. That's enough to go through. And they're like, all right, two kids is enough. Have a vasectomy. And so I come along and they name me Gabriel because God's not done talking. Nice. And, and now here we are. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So how many siblings? I'm the youngest of three boys. You're the youngest of three boys. Okay. How challenging was that environment for you growing up? You don't know what's what's not normal. It's just you just know what you grew up with is what's normal. And looking back, some of the difficulties I had were, you know, if somebody didn't know how to communicate, it's not always easy being a kid in that environment because uh, when it comes to knowing what the expectations are, if they're not being communicated, um, that's difficult. But that, even that's hard to say because that goes back to the environment they grew up in. And and if if they didn't have tools of communication for whatever reason, I don't know. You you can't. It's hard to ask somebody for something that they don't have. Mm-hmm. Sure. It's hard to ask for something that you don't know exists. Oh, yeah. That you don't know how to ask for. And I sure did not as a kid know how to, hey, can I have some more options? I don't <laughs> I don't think I have the tools that I need to participate here. But I have I mentioned the communication because not knowing how to communicate or not knowing how to participate in a way that didn't cost me something I didn't want to pay as a kid. I was often in situations where I feel like my vulnerability was obliterated. <laughs> And so in my life, that produced in me a hypervigilance with communication. And it's only been in the past year and a half that I've been able to take that struggle with communicating and representing what I need and just try to be forward about, hey, here's what I need. And whether or not you're picking up on it or not is something like, I can't walk your side of the path for you. I can just show up and say what I need. And if people connect with it, great. If not, these days, I'm like, I don't know that that's about me. As much as I might want to connect with somebody these days, I'm just kind of like, okay, well, we're all trying our best, and this is what it looks like. <laughs> sure, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I think it's a great point. We all have our own journey. It's easy. It's the easy way out to blame people. I mean, and I did it for years and years and years, and I still do to some degree. I still am human <laughs> and still have right. those pieces. But now if I look back on past relationships that have gone bad, romantic or otherwise, at the time when those were disintegrating, I would be more apt to blame that person mm. than I would even take responsibility for my own actions. And then as time went on, I began to realize, well, we were both at fault in some way, right? It's not, mm-hmm. it's not, it's not as one way as, as you like to feel when you're in the middle of, of right. you know, being cheated on or whatever the case may be. But I had a real role in that too, uh, because we're all just, you know, we're all just learning in this thing called life. It's not yeah. as, uh, <laughs> well, the way we react to things ends up being part of the content of what is happening in the exchange. So if we react to something that, brings an element of an interpretation that isn't present 
and what they're trying to say, well, that's part of what's being fed into the loop now. I very much uh, resonate with what you're saying. The story is so fresh on my mind about my childhood because I actually just wrote a song that talks about this. It's called uh, Trying to Be Known. The song kind of works through that I've I've done a lot trying to be known. And it's it's hard to take your questions of wanting to be known by other people to other people who have their own pain. And so it starts kind of like the story I just told you. Uh, my folks had their own lot, three boys, a roof and table, did the best they knew how and often as able. But they were kids too once and bills don't feel. Some things won't wait for your wounds to heal. And so it's it's me in this perspective that we're talking about, trying my best to look back and say something adequate about, yeah, the bills really don't care about how you felt when this happened to you. The bills want to be paid. They don't care. They don't. The light bill is going to go off if it doesn't get paid. The heat bill is going to go off if it doesn't get paid. The grocery bill, just, it just, it just stops. Yep. The groceries stop when they don't get paid. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, there is a, there is a reality to surviving that, take center stage sometimes you know and it's difficult because i know that can come across as maybe um devoid of feelings but me saying it doesn't care is not at all saying that your hurts and pains don't matter it, it's actually me just stepping back and going if you're living in a reality where there's survival should you have an expectation that healing wounds is happening here and the answer i think is i'm not sure about that so when I look at my own wounds that I'm trying to heal from and I ask myself, well, why did this happen to me? Or did it have to be that way? Like, why, why are you punishing me for what you went through? Mm -hmm. The question's only being pushed back a generation. Why did mom and dad have the pain that their parents went through be spread on them instead of healing? I don't have the answer to this question. And so, yeah, I certainly want to point out that Saying the bills don't feel is not like, well, tough kitty paws, pull yourself up by your own bootstraps. It's actually part of the course of the song is, uh, you know, stop showing your heart to people who don't know your heartaches inside you from trying to be known. It's like, I can take my identity and my wanting to connect, which are all important things to sort through. But if you take that to people who are in a survival cycle, you might be looking for something that people in survival cannot give you. That's 100% correct. There's, there are no two ways about it. They may not have the capacity to be able to meet you where you are and what you need. And you may not have the capacity to meet them where they are and what mm. they need. And that doesn't necessarily mean that either one of you is not a good person. Oh, yeah. Right? It doesn't mean that either one of you is not trying to do the best that you can do. Absolutely. Um, it's just that we have this... This world that we live in and situations are, are different sometimes and you have to be able to try to work through those things if you can, but also you have to be able to walk away. Uh, Dawes is a favorite band of mine. They have a, have a song called Fire Away. There's a line in there where they're basically, um, they wrote it for someone I think who had uh, uh, an abuse, pro a substance abuse problem of some sort, maybe alcoholism or, or, or a drug of some sort. I don't know. Um, but you can tell in the song that, you know, basically they're just doing the best thing they can to support their friend or their person. And he's in one of the lines in the song is if you need someone to walk away from, then fire away. Hmm. You know, like I love you so much that I care for you so much that if you need someone to walk away from, if you need someone to be mad at, if you need somewhere to focus that so that you can get better, 
fire away, do it. You know, that's yeah. what, you know, and so that is, it's so, it's so funny. Sorry to pause yeah, you. You're good. So interesting about the, the fire away, uh, frustration with someone else is a higher vibration than blame and being stuck in a moment where you don't know what to do. So frustration's a higher vibration than blame and anger is a higher vibration than frustration. And so it, it interestingly enough, some of what's going on there is saying, if you taking action to do something that works better for you means you have to say there's not room for me here, I accept that. And that's none of that's easy, sorry. No. I'm just saying one of the reasons why that uh taking back your I guess your power uh and getting angry about your situation is it's different than just sitting still. You're actually when you're angry about the way things are you tend to be in a pattern of movement in another direction. So like fire away, it's almost like, okay, if that's movement for you, all right. Right. I'll pay a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> I don't know if that's exactly what they're saying, but I'm familiar a little bit with the sentiment. Well, I think it's it's one of those things, and I didn't mean to dissect a doll song. Oh. <laughs> but, but. I, I certainly didn't either, <laughs> if it ever comes across it. <laughs> Well, let's let's circle back around. So, so the uh, the home life was a little challenging growing up. Sounds like. Uh, how how was high school for you? Was it? Oh yeah, man. Was it a reprieve or was it a, or was it something you look forward to? Was it? It something? was on the way to that. So around fourteen, let's see, around thirteen to twenty two, I did a lot of backpacking, a lot of hiking, a lot of. Um, Repeat is right. I'm just noticing as you asked me that some of the ways it came about. I had some friends who let me hang out with them. Friends who I thought were so cool and I couldn't believe I'd get to hang out with. Friends who also would not think that they're cool. <laughs> One of the best guitarists I know, his name's Justin Quartz. And he was a friend of mine in high school and he played the guitar and messed around with all these alternate tunings. And anyway, he just plays guitar like nobody's business. I found a few pieces of a drum kit <laughs> in the old rental house of my mama's i was like hey can i have these she's like sure we're in my living room with a bass drum a snare and i don't know maybe a cymbal i don't know but anyway we start playing music and eventually i'm playing the drums in in a band called vis-a-vis -vis and i'm with friends and i'm in a good place creating and looking back on it like that was a good reprieve Mm -hmm. I didn't know I was looking for expression. I didn't know I was looking for participation, but I sure was. That was all happening. And all the while, again, too, uh, backpacking and spending time outdoors with that group of people. I got to grow up around. And, yeah, high school was a reprieve. <laughs> it's funny looking back on it, yeah. High school was a good a good experience then for you, it sounds like. I think so. There are other things that were... Uh, well, I mean, high school sucks impossible. for everybody. Yeah. I mean, let's let's be honest. I never ask that question and expect people to go, "Oh man, it was a blast, best time of my life." You know, unless maybe they're a football player. You know, I mean, other other than that, uh, you know, the girlfriend situation didn't work out like I thought. I, I remember I remember being pulling up on the bus in ninth grade, just a little while before I got to drive, and I was thinking, "Oh man, I'm in high school now. At least now I have a girlfriend." <laughs> <laughs> That's not how it works. <laughs> not always. Not always. For some people. <laughs> did you uh, 
go after college? Didn't Was that a track that you decided to go down? Okay, so college scared the literal hell out of me. Um, I remember when I was 18, my friend asked me, were you going to go to school? I was just embarrassed. I had never even thought about it. I didn't know what I was going to do after high school. And, you know, that theme and not knowing what I want to do will be a theme throughout my life. And I think some of that stuff has to do with minimizing myself, not feeling like my goals matter, like other people's goals matter. People who can be disagreeable enough to pursue what they want, their goals matter. That's not true, we know, but I couldn't have known it for years of my life. How how would you really? Yeah, not not until uh, about a year and a half ago I started doing some work to see it otherwise. But trying to hang around that question that you asked, uh, will you say that question again? Well, I was just curious whether or not you had pursued college. Oh, or college, not. yeah, yeah. So college didn't come around for me, and uh, th- this is a little vulnerable to say, just because where I went to college is going to be uh, interesting for all kinds of people. I feel like an orphan in many directions, so. College scared me so bad, I didn't go until 2009. I graduated high school in 2003, and I didn't start college until 2009, and it's just when I got comfortable. So I went to, to a school that's a Bible college. It was born in Christian fundamentalism, and to people who are on the left side of the political aisle, I'm a fundamentalist. <laughs> to people who are on the right side of the aisle, to the fundamentalist, like the people that my school was in a tradition of, I'm a liberal. Cause you know, when we're of age at Southeastern, you can drink not on campus, but you can drink responsibly when you're of age. And that's a very liberal thing to do to the alumni's. Huh. Okay. Remember it was born in the fundamentalist movement back, mm-hmm. you know, around prohibition. And so rebelling against the government is, you know, that's part of not going along with God's plan for you. You know, God's plan where we save America by getting them to believe the the same way that we do (laughs) we save america by getting them to believe the fundamentalist gospel (laughs) turn or burn (laughs) there you go yeah there's a there seems to be a good bit of that going around these days so all that to say i did make it to college Mm -hmm. and i think i got a wonderful liberal arts education and oddly enough in the past 30 years i think the school had went through changes that it let it move more into a liberal arts focus, not without the Bible and theology, uh, Christian thought and history focuses, but moved more into a formational aspect of learning, producing a lifelong learner and helping the student engage their learning process. Mm -hmm. And so I had professors who, um, yeah, my philosophy of professor was one of the best teachers I could ever have. It wasn't okay. It's not enough just to disagree. You need to understand why you're disagreeing and we need to have a conversation about what's the content here. And so most of the professors I had were even not from a purely uh, Christian framework. Most of the professors we had had uh, degrees in state schools. They have doctorates in state schools and schools that weren't purely in a religious context. So Long story short, it's interesting to me, some of that has to do with my formation and who I am as a learner, but I think I had a great liberal arts education, um, even though when they when, when you tell some people you went to a Bible college, you're like, oh, okay, yeah. I don't, I don't know that that would be my response. Let me put it that no, way. No, you I might mean, not be you know. someone who makes very many assumptions. <laughs> well, we'll talk to my wife about that and see, but, or my mother. As I just feel like an orphan to most people, I don't, I don't fit the most typical responses of being anywhere on the religious left or right political left or right it's like what do you think gabe like okay well 
are you asking for a conversation? Because I don't do bullet points about what I think truth is very easily. Mm. <laughs> Uh, you're one of those deep, <laughs> deep people. Well, and, and I don't, I don't mean to be, and I don't. It's funny, conversation-wise. I, I don't even want to have a conversation. I, my nickname's Bumping Gums. Mm-hmm. I just tend to not do well with, I don't know. Conversations about truth tend to be, like, people want to know what you believe, but nine times out of ten, most people don't know what they're doing with that bullet point. Mm-hmm. As in, if if I tell you what this is what I think about this. I don't trust you with that. I don't need, I need to know what you think that means. <laughs> what is that telling gotcha. you about me that I said I went to Bible college or that I said <laughs> I could drink when I'm of age or mm-hmm. that I don't think it's okay to <laughs> to uh pretend God's in control when really you are. <laughs> mm. Yeah. You know like <laughs> Right. Sure. Well, I had a um when I was in high school, I had a uh, a teacher who uh now I went to a Christian high school. Mhm. My parents felt that that was the best education I was going to get at the time, mm-hmm. and we'll leave that little box there, <laughs> sure, right there. Sure. You know? And and I don't know that they're wrong, but nonetheless, <laughs> I had a teacher there, and it was interesting because she was very literal, mm-hmm. and so you couldn't say, "Hey, how you doing?" Because what she would then say is, "Do you really want to know how I'm doing, <laughs> or do you just want me to say, oh, 'Oh, I'm doing great'?" Because if you want me to say, hey, I'm doing great, then you don't really want to know how I'm doing. You're just doing this social interaction. This sounds like Gandalf and Bilbo. (laughs) (laughs) And so I've always carried that with me ever since she said that, you Mm -hmm. know, because now when people say, hey, how are you doing? Well, now in my brain, every time I hear that, I'm like, well, do you really want to know how I'm doing? Or, you know, you know, that kind of thing. I think we know that there's a social grace that we need to interact with and we don't want to be uh, obtuse. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but at the same time, there are some days when I just have to push play on the social grace and there are other days when I have to push play on, hey, I'm having a hard time, but I'm not sure there's time for that right now. <laughs> sure. Absolutely. <laughs> I yeah. No, I feel that though. <laughs> we, 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 have, uh, we have days we have to, have to play parts that right. uh, we... Would rather not be playing that mm. day. Mm. How do you ask for space and not remove all welcome in the future? Mm. Yeah, <laughs> I don't sure. want to wear out my welcome oh. the way I show up. Absolutely right. Yeah, the I mean, like like we were talking about it. How does the other person perceive what you're saying? And am I going to say I love you too soon, and you're going to run off on me? Oh yeah, you, you know that kind of that that whole thing. And we talked about that with Calliope. On oh the, on yeah, the, that's probably because <laughs> we've, we've deep conversations. I was gonna. I was gonna say. There's one thing about that. Uh, people talking about truth that I wanted to add. I found the best thing I can say when people ask me what I think is I need to tell the story of my experience, just a succinct. Hey, I hear you want to know what I think about that, but it's important for me that you know. I tend to be punished when I engage in these conversations because the culture war is so severe that people do things with their ideas about what you think and they're they're organizing me according to their value structure with that bullet point or that word. And so my feed forward has been, hey, I'm happy to have the conversation with you, but it's important that I let you know I've I've been punished in the past trying to have conversations like this. That may not be what you're trying to do, but I may invite myself away from this if I start feeling like I'm being punished. Just for That's an important point. I mean, mm-hmm. it's a really important point. Uh, we found that to be very true in our lives. We uh, started trying to change our diet. Mm. 
we changed our diet. And we went to a, a plant based uh, diet. It was for health reasons, and it worked really well. Mm-hmm. I also work in the corporate world, right. and I have vendor lunches and people that I have to talk to and, and so forth. And, you know, there's only so many times you can order just a salad before somebody starts asking why you're not ordering anything else. And then when you then when you say, hey, I'm you know, we're doing this, you know, we've gone plant based. We're doing this because of health reasons and so forth. All of a sudden, everybody is really concerned that you're not getting enough protein. And they're they're, <laughs> they're saying, well, where do you get your protein from? Where, you know, or and what 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 I understand. Is actually happening is is you're holding up a mirror to other people. Oh yeah, and they don't like what they see because when you do things that are ethical, when right. you do things that are different from the norm, then people feel attacked, even when you're not attacking them. Oh wow! When they delve into why I don't do what they consider to be normal, uh-huh. they will they will get livid with me and mm. and and it's and so I, I really liked what you were saying in regards uh-huh. of like I feel like I've been punished for this you know conversation for just for this. engaging in yeah. it I respect your decision please respect right. mine and let's my, my friend Sarah and Sarah Eager and I were talking about this when I say I like this I don't mean you have to do that I was trying to say I like this <laughs> Exactly. I'm sorry if I wasn't clear. I'm saying <laughs> this is how I'm going to live my life. I didn't mean you need to wear these clothes or mm-hmm. or you need to drink this. I'm saying I want to do that. <laughs> I'm sorry I wasn't clear. I'll try again. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, and, and, but, you know, I think there's a, there's a big piece of tribalism, mm. which is understandable. You know, in America especially, we don't we came and, and, you know, killed off a bunch of people so we could have the land here. But the interesting thing is, if you look at the history in Europe and other countries that are not the melting pot, quote unquote, that America is, they, they grew out of tribes, families and bloodlines. And that's what binds those countries together. We can use a very well-known, we can look at the, the lineage in the Bible and how important that is for them to trace their bloodlines going back. That's what binds them together. Uh, in America, we don't have that because we are a melting pot from everywhere else. So what binds us together? It's our politics. Yeah, and if you think about the political you know, uh, landscape today, mm-hmm. you're like, How, oh my God, we're in trouble. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know? And so sure. that makes a, a lot of sense in, in the way that when, when people just assume that because I'm doing this, right. I think you should do this, or you need to do this, or you have to do this. Why? Because we are meant for connection. And that that is what we are. There's, I know lots of people are introverts, and I know lots of people need time away, and I know I'm an extrovert, so it doesn't matter. I don't have that same thing. Everyone needs connection. That's why tribalism is so important. That's why those things are so important, because that's what we crave, is personal connection. And yeah. so when we start talking about diet, religion, politics, things like that, why do we want everyone to feel the same way? Because we want to feel connected as best we can. I like you're getting to the motivation of some of this because if we don't look at the motivations for why somebody would even care about that, we might miss that they want to connect. And I don't have a personal ambition to punish people for wanting to connect. 
I don't either. Like, I, I, as a matter of fact, I want to encourage that as much as possible. <laughs> I think we're, I think we're more the same than we are different. And the, the challenge, I think, a lot of times is that we look at these differences and we say that they're they're chasms that can't be crossed. That you, you're them, and and we're us, and there's there's a problem between us. But there doesn't have to be. We can get past that if we're willing to, to do it. I mean, and that's that's part of the reason why this podcast exists at all is because connection is so important and understanding that it's not just the Steve Jobs and the Sam Waltons of the world that do great things. It's people like you that do great things. It's people like me that do. We all do great things, but we just have to be willing to take a look at what we do. And so I think it's connection. I think connection is where why we have those kinds of uh, tug of wars and, and, and fights and jabs and, and whatnot, because we're, we're all trying to connect. Right. What would it look like if we just said, Hey, that sounds like it, it's really important to you, but I know you're just wanting to connect with me. How would you be a, how would you be a jerk back to that? <laughs> it sounds like you just want to connect with me. Is that, is that why this is important to you? Like, what if we just did that instead of, what do you, what? <laughs> well, and also, I mean, if if we take a look uh, at why we choose the things we choose, mm-hmm. it's all based on emotion. They've done a lot of studies on it, and what they've found is, you know, the infamous they. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm using air quotes again. Hey, Perry, if you're out there, I'm using your air quotes. <laughs> he um, was. <laughs> I saw him. The interesting thing is, is that when we pull the emotion out of these things, then we can more easily figure out that we're closer than we are further apart. The challenge is is that, uh, and this is one of the reasons why I hate and don't allow conversations on on my Facebook page. Like if I put out an article or something that I've shared with the world, it's just for them to see that and do their own thinking about it. Uh, I have friends that will try to fight in the comments about it. You know, like this guy's just angry or this, I don't believe, or, you know, and I have to shut that down every time and tell them, look guys, the internet is the worst place and the most unproductive place to have a conversation Mm -hmm. that has any way of connecting with someone. Uh, it doesn't work. And yeah. so try to squeeze what's meaningful to you through that medium. Mm-hmm. How much of it comes through? Not much. So little. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but the thing is, is that if, if, if we are, if we make our decisions, we don't make our decisions with logic. We make it with emotion. We make our choice and then we try to find logic to back up our emotional feeling on this. Mm. So, you know, maybe I feel that when someone is killed, that we should kill them right back. And so I'm for capital punishment or maybe I feel like killing is wrong. And so capital punishment's also wrong. Mm. It depends on how my, that's all emotion. It's not logic. I mean, we can, we can have a logical conversation, but most people don't want to. Most people want to have an emotional conversation. You ever heard of Jonathan Haidt? Mm -mm. He uses what, in what you just described, the rider and the elephant, that the elephant is the will and the rider is reason mm-hmm. and all the rider does it has got no control over the elephant the elephant goes where it wants and what reason does is it tells everyone else why it was okay to do that exactly that that is <laughs> far more succinct than any of what i just went well, through and but, I, yeah. I was looking for it because i was looking for a way to be succinct in my world i was like god jonathan you did a great job <laughs> you did a great job with this one this it's a really good 
it's helpful. Yeah. We do what we want. Mm-hmm. And then we tell other people why it was okay. <laughs> exactly. One of my friends, his name's Shad Blair. He's a songwriter in Austin, Texas. Mm-hmm. And yeah, for any of you folks that have been listening to the podcast, if you haven't figured out by now that like, you know, 80% of my friends are all musicians, <laughs> it's going to be a recurring theme. So I hope you like music. Uh, mm-hmm. But one of my friends, Shad Blair, he's a, a, a great, a great singer songwriter down in Austin, Texas. He has my favorite line of any song ever. And it, and it goes like this. I'm a cowboy. I'm a hippie. I love Jesus and God forgives me for all the things I do that don't agree with you. Mm. And I was like, oh, yes, that's (laughs) it. I'm a cowboy. I'm a hippie. I love Jesus and God forgives me for all the things I do that don't agree with you. Mm. I'm just like, man, that's brilliant. You know, I mean, I, and I, I I feel like it's very true in some ways. Absolutely. So I'm not sure where we we bird walked a little we, bit. We were around, high, right? Mm-hmm. I, I learned this from the last thing, bird walking, the last episode with Coyote. Kind of mm-hmm. Um, I think uh, we were somewhere around high school or thereafter. Yeah, college. Yeah, yeah you were you're into college, and and uh, you we're going to the the Bible college, right? And uh, that was a good experience. Mm-hmm. And so, so around this time, you know, um, before I went to college, I actually met um, who is now my former partner. Um, we were married and our paths went in different directions. So, um, met her and her dad taught me how to play this alternating bass style that I play. And when I heard it, I was mesmerized. I was thinking, God, that really tickles my inner world. Uh, love the syncopation. I was going to ask you Uh because how hard was it to learn? Yeah, there's some good stories on this. So b- before I started um, college, I would be in my roommate. I was a staff member at Alabama Teen Challenge. Now I'd be in my room just moving my thumb on two strings trying to think about something else than what my thumb was doing. So uh, Gary tells a story that he called Happy Traum one day. No, he didn't. He called Homespun one day and Happy Traum picks up. And uh, he's like, hey, you know, I've been working on this. I just want to know, can you give me a few pointers? And Happy says, uh, well, you know, thumb work, okay. And he's like, yeah, it's going pretty good. And he goes, well, could you do it if your head was cut off? <laughs> it's a little abrasive, but <laughs> yeah, it, it kind of makes sense. And so what I did was, the the way that I get in on it was, I would be watching a show while I was just working on the part that needs to get into my second nature or my muscle memory. And over time, eventually I could work in another string and a little bit of syncopation. And because I had the motivation, cause it sounded so good, I f- eventually figured it out. Mm-hmm. But for me, I'm not saying it will be this way for other people, but the way I got my head out of it was by doing it while watching a show or something. So sometimes today when I'm working on a new tune, I'll fiddle around with it while I'm, watching an episode of something or a movie well i'm going to i've heard a story similar to that mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm going to uh completely paraphrase and butcher this one but yeah, go i it. can't remember which artist it was because it, it isn't uh, he isn't an artist within my general uh circle right. uh, but he as the story was told to me let me put it that way he he was mentioned by name who i can't remember right now but he also said that this was one of the greatest violinists in the world. And the way that he would practice is by watching baseball. 
Mm. He would just turn the sound off on baseball, and baseball had enough movement and enough going on that he could kind of, you know follow it, but at the same time still work on what he needed to work on. So you may have you may have hit on a there's like a something. muscle memory thing that you you develop somewhere where your mind is not only focusing on that, and I'm assuming it just gets into my body in ways that my mind's not focusing on, which is helpful for the. I mean, do that while you're singing. Mm. There are people who play way better than I do, but that's what tends to help me. But yeah, Gary taught me how to do that alternating bass style. Um, that opened up a big world to me. But you know, in 2010, he passed away. He was actually a professor at Southeastern. He was an English professor there. And when he passed away, that rocked our world. Uh, he passed away at his desk, had a heart attack. And um, it was like, Pretty soon, interestingly enough, uh, Sarah was interested in going ahead and going to an open mic night at Moonlight, which was kind of surprising to me, but I didn't argue with it. She wants to sing. It's time to sing. Um, And that evening, we heard Wilder Atkins play a song called Nightingale. And when I heard that, a part of my world came alive that wanted to live and just didn't know how to. And I just, I basically heard that evening. Wilder's words were saying something adequate about what he's trying to say without reducing it. And I I just sat there and felt like, man, he's showing me how to write. Like he's helping me see how you can say something and invite the mind to come and play instead of restricting the, the listener's mind. I thought, well, there's the interaction between the speaker and the audience is he's not giving you too much, but he's giving you enough to where if you want to participate, you'll do a lot with what was given you. So I started writing songs after that. Um, you remember that guitarist I told you about, Justin Quartz? <laughs> he was pretty, he's pretty adamant about not wanting to play other people's music. And that was a pretty good thing. You know, it produced in me, I had a, like 14 original songs before I even had a cover. But in the world of folk music, you can play other people's covers. And so eventually, you know, the occasion was I needed enough music to fit two and three hour sets. But finally got some <laughs> cover music to play too but but yeah um like i say uh our paths went in two different directions and uh so now i'm i'm playing solo you know i do hope i can find another vocalist because uh, i approximate better when i'm singing with somebody mm-hmm. i approximate toward <laughs> what we're singing and what i'm singing i i can do well enough on my own but i do look forward hopefully to getting to have another singing partner and it'd be awesome to have a fiddle player, but you know, <laughs> well, we'll see what happens. You mentioned Alabama teen challenge. Mm-hmm. Uh, tell me about that. Cause I don't know <laughs> anything about it. Sure. Well, um, I remember, so one of the, one of the people I grew up around, uh, was a good friend of mine. Uh, his name's Brandon and let's see, Brandon was a, another option. I think for masculinity in my world to see another way that men can be and anyway being good friends with him uh he worked at teen challenge and brandon always felt like i should be in the care uh service industry because of how i am toward people mm-hmm. um i think it's something to do with my empathy uh, it's, it's it's easy for me to think oh if i would need something like this you might could want it too i'll just ask do you want this do you identify as an empath I do think my life has been like I'm an empath. I think I used it to cope, mm-hmm. but I, it's on this side of learning what's not about me. Um, I'm a little bit more careful with how I 
use that mm-hmm. because um, you can you can just make things and feelings and idiosyncrasies about the way you perceive things, you know, without doing the careful work of saying is is this where you're at or tell me where you're at. Um, I'm a, I'm careful to do that, but without doing that, you can <laughs> you can really un- unwittingly uh, put things on people, but. On this side of my life, just knowing how much is not about me, I don't find myself needing to cope with empathy. Empathy is how I coped when I was younger. It um, thinking about other people who um, might appreciate someone not being abusive toward them mm-hmm. and living that out, sure, allowed me to live when I was not being treated well. Um, I think I pulled you away from Teen Challenge. No, you're right? good. Um, so so that was how you got into it was uh, yeah started working there as a staff member and i think i was there for just a little under two and a half years and when i started southeastern uh interestingly enough the men's center was closing down and becoming the women's center and i couldn't do this emotional labor as a staff member um who are trying to get their life together doing they're doing their best mm-hmm. i couldn't do that emotional labor while being a student and so i made a decision to go ahead and just focus on being a student so how was it working for Teen Challenge? Excuse me, a student at Southeastern, not not in the program. How was it there? Yeah, I mean, like, what what what? Was, how, how was the experience? Oh yeah, well, I was younger than most of the men there, and uh, I was, <laughs> I was, be, because uh, I have a lot of uh, pain and addiction on one of my sides of the family, but it's interesting. Very few of the men that came through were ever asking my story to even know about that, and even even more of those men tended to be so in their own world that because I didn't have an addiction issue like they did, I, what do you know? How can you help me? And, um, that never felt good to be treated that way. Like, because I don't know what you've gone through. You're making assumptions about while, while saying that about me, they're literally doing it to me. (laughs) They're doing the thing they're claiming is awful to be done. And, And I, thankfully I had enough perspective to know, like, you just don't know what you're doing. If you would just ask me about my life, I would just tell you about it. Mm-hmm. But um, at the same time, that was a lot of time to have feet on the ground with those men. I tried my, I hope I did a good job. I tried my best to treat them with love and respect, mm-hmm. uh, not ever looking down on them. I remember one evening um, we had this gentleman who was, his insides were so messed up um, from alcohol. I remember he, he threw up blood mm. and there's some part of me. I'm like, okay, I'm 22. I, I was like the staff on duty that night. Mm-hmm. And I knew from growing up with, uh, like I say, with Brandon, I knew that you need, I knew how to reach out to people above me who know what to do. And I don't. Mm-hmm. So I just called my director, got a little bit of <laughs> instructions. I grabbed some a, guidance, some guidance, grabbed a senior student, um, got it taken care of. There were so many things in that experience that stretched me, but it's important for me to say my being stretched comes along with wanting to be stretched. Like I have a lot of room for people because I've been through <laughs> a lot. Um, even if that's not available to people, I've I've been through a good bit and I come from a reality of people who've gone through a lot and that shows up in the way they live. But, you know, I'm glad I loved my time there because it gave me a vocation where I could pay attention to people. And looking back on the empathy, paying attention and connecting is part of how I live. 
sure and breathe and am able to just have my own identity you know but these days it's a little different than that you know i i don't because i'm much more familiar with uh who i am outside of being valued by other people or you know not confusing their issues with mine <laughs> it's you know i'm on a different part of my road you mm-hmm. know than that but it was a good experience for me man i'll bet I, i'm i can only imagine I mean, the stories that you, that you must have gotten, you know, from listening to them talk about their experiences and so forth and, you know, all that, that, that had to be. Oh yeah. I had always wished that they would ask me more about my life because they would find like a, even though a lot of those guys had a hard time seeing because I wasn't ever addicted like they were, they had a hard time and their version of humanizing, humanizing me. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of always wish that they would have asked me more. Some of, some of, every once in a while, one of them would. And it's funny, like there was one student I was showing some videos of, uh, of a trip in 2006 to the Rockies, where I was being super goofy. But because of, <laughs> because part of my role there was to enforce the rules and make sure the program is being observed, because they didn't have to be there. Some of them would act like because they're, some of them are court ordered, they have to be there. And I would, say, you know, hey, I hear you, but jail is an option even if it's not one that you want yeah um you don't have to be here you can get your life together here you can get your life together there um but anyway all this to say um i I showed that goofy video one of the students and he just looked at me with disbelief like that's not you i'm like that's not me when i'm constantly having to ask you why you're breaking the rules that you agreed to follow while being here Mm-hmm. I don't mm-hmm. get to be this out of me. <laughs> like I want, this is who I am. But every time you're um, not acknowledging your relationship to the other people by the way you behave, or you're going this area you're not supposed to go in, or you're doing something that we've asked you not to do, like I have to have a different relationship with you. And like that is me. That's that's who I am. Mm-hmm. And they're like, no, it's not who you are. <laughs> <laughs> It's the you they haven't met yet. I know. It was just a complete mind mess up mm. seeing that side of me. I'll bet. Yeah. <laughs> so I uh, want to talk a little bit about the backpacking and whatnot. Oh, yeah. So you said you did a lot of that. What what's, uh, you do like, uh, was it mostly hiking and backpacking kind of stuff? Or are you, you a kayaker or do you, you that kind of stuff? I've or? done a little bit of all, all of it, less kayaking. And, you know, when you said reprieve in high school, I was really glad you said that. Backpacking in my life was a place to go learn how to feel when the storm of life was happening like so with backpacking i learned how to be how to do well in the elements the first year i went backpacking and listen i didn't listen to anything i was told really (laughs) hey gabe don't wear don't wear cotton when you're hiking in the snow because you'll sweat and it'll get wet or the snow will make it wet and cotton doesn't dry really fast it just keeps the water and when the wind blows on, it makes you cold. Your body can't warm it up as fast as the wind can cool it down. I didn't listen to any of that. So how was that first year? It was awful. I'll bet. It was awful, but thankfully I was young enough to have some resilience, you know, like a kid mm-hmm. can have. Yeah, they, they didn't, you, you didn't get broken. Oh, my, not my kid spirit. I was, <laughs> when we were back and we got some dry clothes on, somehow we had some dry clothes to wear. I don't know how I managed to listen to that part about having to change clothes, but when I'm back in my sleeping bag, dry clothes and a little bit of food in my stomach and oh man, I forget immediately how awful it was. But the next year 
was different. That was wonderful. Like this year taught me they weren't just those those men weren't just talking. <laughs> <laughs> they were actually saying something trying to help me. And the next year was such a good experience. I had everything I needed. I planned for it and uh living in the elements, you know, cooking in your vestibule, um with you know, cooking your food in a vestibule even if it's storming or uh a snowstorm or whatever. I don't know why, but for me, that was my first time learning what it's like to go through a storm and be okay. And that actually had an emotional equivalence in my life. Around these people, I learned what it was like to be okay when the weather's not cooperating or when the world's not cooperating. And it's funny, like, looking back on it, it's when I thrived. Like, I thrived when the storm was happening. Mm-hmm. Like, I can take my tent down in a rainstorm and the inside of it still be pretty dry. Oh, yeah. And for whatever reason, just the option of knowing how to do that or how to take care of yourself, even when everything's awful, it's that movement and that contrast I was talking about. It's like, oh, man, there are options when it's really awful. You don't have to just sit and focus on how awful it is. There's a mill to be had if I can just manage this well enough. You know, there's a mill I can have. There's some stories once we get dry in our sleeping bags that will come out just from feeling different. Mm-hmm. Um, there's warmth that gets back into your bones after being freezing cold. And all that contrast just produces, I don't know what to say besides some of the most wonderful memories I have. And I haven't got to backpack in a while. Um, some of that's my own choice, but I'm looking forward to doing this more. This mm-hmm. is going to be more of my future and I still have good gear. And, uh, but it's just interesting. Some of my earliest healing experiences come from the backpacking. So then did you do any of the, I mean, did, like, did you hike the whole Appalachian trail or anything like that? No, I've been on the AT. Um, I never, <laughs> this is funny. <laughs> Listen to him. He's using slang. I've been on the AT. Like he, <laughs> he knows what he's talking the about. Me, I'm like, hey, what about the Appalachian trail? I've oh. been on portions of the Appalachian trail, <laughs> but technically, Oh, <laughs> technically, I've I've uh I've not no I I never aspired to it. When people would talk about I'm gonna hike the AT, I'd just be like, you go do that work. I don't want to do that. <laughs> I, I'm like, give me a nice four day weekend where we're you know we're doing about eight to ten miles a day and enjoying conversation and meals and in, in between right. hiking and um, who knows? Maybe a desire will hit me one day and I'll want to do the entire Appalachian Trail, but. I've hiked uh, all over the uh, the Smokies um, in Alabama. Sipsy Wilderness was a place that I was always around. A little bit of Cheehaw. There's, uh, there's a place called, uh, oh, in Cumberland Gap, there's a Cumberland Gap Ridge Trail. It's about 21, 22 miles. Mm-hmm. They've got three main uh, features on that trail besides the Cumberland Gap. There's a sand cave. This huge cave. You could just take your house and just shove it up in it. So nice. big. Mm-hmm. Um, there's Hensley Settlement or Henley Settlement. I don't know if I'm saying this right, but it's a ta- it was a settlement that was abandoned when technology came to a local town a long time ago. Uh-huh. When, like when the movies or the plays came in. And then there's White Rocks where they're like bluffs. They're beautiful. And that trail is so nice. There's like, it's not over-traveled. Some parts of the Appalachian Trail are kind of so traveled. It's like a hiking in a ditch. But this trail is just so beautiful. Uh, I've been there twice. Want to go there soon? Um, either before falls over, I could do it in the winter time. Got the right gear, or maybe spring. But I've been to the Rockies, Estes Park, and the Rockies. Got to go there. 
Um, my sister lives in Fort Collins, mm-hmm. and uh, so maybe last year, the year before, we went out and visited him, and we got to go up to Estes Park and, and hang out there for a little while. Beautiful. Nobody is. It's gorgeous Beautiful. out there. Any, anyone curious about what that was like on my Instagram, which is at bumpingums, B-U-M-P-I-N-G-U-M-S, show notes. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Um, uh, there are some pictures of that trip. <laughs> you oh. can see some. I was always amazed at the wildflowers I saw just sprinkled in nature. These beautiful wildflowers didn't need anybody to plant them. They just grew on their own. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, look at you. Oh, I see you. I'll take a picture of you. Come here. <laughs> you know, and then uh, a, a hillside full of elk. Mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh. Beautiful views and around a group of men, young men that I was around for the past I don't know, eight, ten years. So, so let, let's. Uh, I'm. I'm just. I'm curious. Yeah. Bump it. Bumping gums. <laughs> it, it, where does that come from? Right. Okay. So, um, <laughs> related to that same group of men that I grew up around, there was a group that did reliving history, like in like the Revolutionary War, the fur trade, mountain men, and everything. I'm saying, like, there would be a village. <laughs> some people would be like colonists. Some people would be Revolutionary War soldiers. Um, you know, American revolutionary soldiers. I didn't see too many r- red coats, but um, a man in full buckskin. I'll tell you a quick story and then tell you bumping gums. When I was 12 at this kids' camp, we're singing all these dumb songs like Alice the Camel had how many humps? I don't know. I'm not listening. Uh, there's the stupid songs. The only thing that makes me feel better is all these other men and boys are singing them. Right. <laughs> so I'm like, probably humming along a little. So the songs stop, and I start hearing some rustling in the woods, like branches breaking. Someone's running, and then I see emerge from the woods this mountain man with tassels of buckskin and a, a flintlock in his right hand. He's on a full-on sprint. He's got a coyote skin hat. You've got my attention. <laughs> like I'm looking. <laughs> yeah. Um. He drops down to one knee and pulls the hammer and for hammer back and squeezes and fire goes up and out the barrel and 60 yards in the direction he was shooting in which to my selective attention mind i just didn't even see a pile of wood there but a council fire light and i'm like okay 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 you have my attention (laughs) i'm listening i'm paying attention it's funny the role that played in um (laughs) eugene peterson uh says biology takes over eschatology (laughs) (laughs) this your biological reality takes over any goal that you have in life at this age that reality helped me and don't get me wrong i was still like girls women yay Mm -hmm. but this imagination elsewhere invited me to have a part of me alive and engaged besides just being attracted to the opposite sex Mm -hmm. (laughs) or to the sex i'm attracted to like hello like look at that 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 has my imagination and so in that organization when i joined um they give you this stick that you wear called a stocking stick and you're not supposed to get more than two notches in it well i talked so much that they had to decide whether or not they were just going to tell me not to come back oh (laughs) i had way more than two notches in it and coming back from the the flintlock or the rifle range, black powder range, I see Tommy McKinney, his name's Panther. Um, I'm just so happy to see somebody I'm familiar with. I'm like, Hey Panther. And he says, 
hey, hey, you, you come on over here. Come here. Yeah, yeah, you, come here. And he puts his arm around my shoulder and he says, you know what? You're going to be all right. <laughs> and I learned that he went after that and told all those other men who were, you know, most of these um, people getting in on the group get to choose their name or their, their sponsor chooses their name. He said, I don't care what you name any of them, but this one's mine. He's bumping gums. <laughs> and so that's that's where it came from. It comes from that, and it's funny. I kind of use it to take back a little power. Some of my processing has a response of, you know, I can't blame people, but I, I don't want to be talking or processing through as much, but with some hypervigilance in the past, feeling like I'm not being understood, I would go longer mm -hmm. or try harder to be understood. I think some of the response is like uh, bumping gums. Bumping gums, yeah. No, I, I get it. Okay. Well, I was curious where they came from. Yeah. You know, for sure. I was like, it was that was something I had planned <laughs> to ask you the entire time, whether or not we did it on the podcast. I right, was, you right. Know, definitely curious as to yeah. how you had come you up Use with as that. much of that story as you would like. <laughs> so... What what's going on these days? What 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 are what are you doing these days? What, sure, tell um, me about that. I'll begin with bumping gums. I've got a guitar um, about to be built by um, Tony Clausen. This is who does Roy Bookbinder's signature series guitars. They're um, L double zero shaped bodies, but with the Nick Lucas depth. So it's got like a depth of a dreadnought, but it's the L double zero shape. Hmm. So. Uh, to my taste, some of the best guitars that came out of the 30s and the 40s were these L00 Gibsons. And I play a Kalamazoo that Gibson made. It's L00 shape. Um, it's been rebraced, and but it's an she's an old gal. She sounds great. But I'm about to have a guitar built, and on the 12th fret, it's going to say bumping gums. Nice, nice. Yeah, it's part of my story. <laughs> so, um, what's next is music. Uh, I I never did ask. What, sure. So, was uh. Why did you decide to go chase that particular dream? With the music? or mm -hmm. Yeah, um, with the music. It's recent. Um, it ha some of it has to do with my former wife and my past mm -hmm. diverging. Let's see. So I was taking... How, how recent is that? It's it's pretty recent. Really? <laughs> it's okay. within the last year. Yeah. Okay. So it's still very fresh. It's still very fresh. And uh, let's see. The way I want to say this is I was taking pictures for car dealers. Car dealers. Mm-hmm and auto marketing and so all this past summer i've been on the concrete and the hot around hunks of metal and that's been my reality for three years i think my whole life i've selected for jobs that i can tolerate my inner world with and some of that comes from trauma some of that comes with not knowing what i want or if i know what i want i feel foolish pursuing it and so on this side of that divergence is bringing contrast and you know, when your life is connected with someone, you know, depending on how well your goals are going together, you can go in the same direction um, or you can find yourself giving up on a direction that is more true to who you are. And none of that's easy to talk about, but a direction that is true of who I am is that I'm I'm a storyteller. I gather stories. I love telling stories. It's how I process. Most of my writing comes from processing. Like I, I need to find some way to say succinctly something about what I've experienced or what I feel and I tend to want to hand those on maybe those ways of saying it will help somebody else process through what they're feeling or seeing and the nature of writing is not reductive um, it's expansive when you do it well it, it invites you in to see more not to see less 
So it's like literature is not by nature given to reduction. Same with poet poetry, same with songs. Um, I think when it's done well, it's given to holding a picture together and someone can process through a liturgy of what they're going through or, or feeling. So I'm going to be pursuing music. It's in my heart. Um, I'm also an apprenticing luthier. Yeah, that was something that uh, that you had said earlier. Mm-hmm. So tell tell me uh, tell me about that because that is something that fascinates me. It's something that I have actually even talked with my wife about mm-hmm. about maybe doing as a maybe I want to leave it altogether and I just <laughs> want to build guitars for people. Like yeah. I've always been interested in 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 the luthier process and mm-hmm. so forth. So. Tell me about yours. Sure. The, the, the story goes like this. Um, I was hanging out with a good friend of mine. He was in a local stream band. Um, he still plays stream band music, Carter Laney. And uh, he picked this Kalamazoo off the wall, this old-looking guitar, and said, hey, man, play this. And I strummed it, and I'm like, well, what's this feeling? That sounds good. And I'm playing it. It sounds good. I'm like, why does it sound so much better? And these are all questions I'm asking, but I don't understand. Like, I'm just having an experience with an all-wood guitar is basically what's happening Mm -hmm. that's from the 30s. (laughs) So it it has an interesting look about it because it looks so old, but it's it's such a good experience. I'm having an adult hissy fit because it's not mine. Mm -hmm. And so Carter's like, hey, man, you know, I got a friend that's building a couple of these. Maybe you could buy one. And I'm thinking... Yeah, I've got money for a boutique handmade, you know, <laughs> individually built guitar. Sure, I'm 50. I'm I'm established, you know, cuz when you're 50 you're established. But um <laughs> yeah, of course, right? Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm throwing out the quote marks for anybody. There you go. Um so interestingly enough, um a little while later time goes by and the whole way home I pitched to fit. Oh, I was I just man, that guitar sounded good. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. The way I describe it is I could feel that guitar's vibrations in my body as I'm leaning up against it. And it's not limited by being a laminate back and side instrument. The, 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 the more the wood can move, the more sound you're getting from it. And I feel it in my body. Right. <laughs> and it felt good. So anyway, time goes by. I want to play a show at, at Woodlong at the Sound and, Play, Sound and Page venue. And so... I want to get Carter to come play fiddle with us. And Carter says, let's let's get Doug to play upright bass. And so Doug comes and plays. We practice and become friends with Doug. Long story short, um, Doug's kind of my introduction to the building world. He's the person who was building two of those. And um, eventually I got hanging around uh, Jason and Bob Tedrow. Um, I wanted to start learning um, I'm one of those people that has some proficiency in learning and ability in my hands. Those things are important, not just everybody. I'm not saying you can't learn, but not just everyone is at a place where master <laughs> professionals want to go ahead and take you on. No, um, you have, you have an, you know, people have different aptitudes for things. That's the word know, I was looking for. There's no two ways about it. You know, it, it's, uh, I mean, like, I think we, I don't remember if we got this on the podcast or not, but we were talking earlier about, you know, nobody picks up a guitar and is instantly perfect, right? Mm-hmm. Because, you know, they don't have calluses, so it doesn't matter, you know, right. the, you know, kind of thing. Uh, but that doesn't mean there aren't people that, that pick up guitars and are, you know, just, they just have a natural aptitude for that instrument or piano right. or 
race car driving. People have aptitudes for things. And what it was, the aptitude, I, I saw this looking back. Um, looking back on the experience of getting started with them, I had made Jason some chisel bags out of leather. And I was looking back and going, I wonder if that showed them some of my ability with my hand-eye coordination, seeing a project through, you know. Mm-hmm. And so got to do that and get in. I've done a lot of work on my own stuff. It's nice being able to work on your own equipment. Oh, man, I bet. It, it really is. Uh, and if I don't know the answer to something, I have relationships I've developed with people who do. And going forward, I do want when I'm not touring to be able to earn some income with guitar repair. I I don't know that I have just a big desire to build for other people, but I also don't want to call that right now. Mm -hmm. How about that something might happen later and building someone a guitar is a trade-off that brings me some income that I need. Yeah. So between music, luthery, and some photography, I'm almost certain this gig economy will will work out for me, but I'm in that process of learning and failing right now. And the good news about it is, is I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid of failing because I get to learn. I get to have the feedback of my failure and I know exactly what to do with it. I keep approximating toward the goal and I'm going to hit my mark. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I tell you that time working on the car lot, plenty of time to ask myself about whose target do I want to be hitting? And on this side of it all, it's like, yeah, I'm, I'm tired of aiming at your target. I would like to aim at my target. And when I miss, it's not because I was aiming at yours. <laughs> I'm, I missed the mark, but every shot counts because you're approximating toward the center. That's excellent. Well, um, I probably, I mean, that is, I think it's a great place to leave it, man. Sure. I think that's, that's awesome. Um, people can find you on Instagram, Bumping Gums. Bumping we'll, Gums. We'll obviously, we'll <laughs> definitely, uh, is that the best way for people to, to reach out and connect with you? Um, it's probably going to be the most current way because I might post a picture or an update, but um, thematchcoats.com is another way to get in touch with me. Um, when you go to that website, there'll be an immediately a little bit about me, a way to hear me. Um, you can book me from that first page. If Tell me a little bit about that, uh, the match coats. Match coats, it, yeah. is, that, is that you and another guy or an, um, another person? That or? was me and my wife. Oh, yeah. gotcha. Okay. My former wife, I yeah. gotcha. My former partner. And um, now that's going to be just me. But the it's it's been difficult to figure out how to brand it because it's just me going forward. But I don't want to lose the match coats. You know, that was something I put together and worked on and had her with me. If I sing with somebody else or play with musicians, I'm probably going to go by the match coats. Mm-hmm. But cur- given that I'm currently solo, the the branding kind of is just Gabriel Aikens from the match coats. Gotcha. Yeah. So t- tell me about, uh, or, or can if you're comfortable with it. Sure. Tell me about tell me about the match coats. I mean, where does that name come from? What is the? I mean, I I got to I got to know the story behind uh, that. I'll never punish your curiosity. <laughs> you will only be rewarded. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> yeah. So the match coats is not a, or excuse me, match coat is not a word that's in common use anymore unless you're a reenactor from the Revolutionary War era. It's a blanket that was put on like a, a jacket. So you put it over your shoulders and wear a blanket pin mm-hmm. and then pull a sash around your waist and you could have access to your hands while still being warm. So, but the match coat was one of several blanket tricks that a, a person would use it for. They could roll up their provisions and in, in their blanket. Mm-hmm. It's called a tump line. You actually could see something like this if you've ever seen uh, Last of the Mohicans. Daniel mm-hmm. Day-Lewis's character and maybe his brother too has one of these on his back. 
So there's just several blanket tricks, and match coat is one of them. And so I think that word had to do a lot. Um, a metaphor that's something that you can wear while working. Gotcha. <laughs> and it's got it's going to keep you warm, and you need access to your hands. I think it was just a metaphor that I felt. My, I was like, metaphors need to do a lot of work. Mm. <laughs> they have a lot of work to do, so why not put them to work? <laughs> there you go. That's, that's great. Yeah. Okay, so uh, we can find you at the, the matchcoats.com? Matchcoats.com, uh, at Bumpin' Gums on Instagram. I do have a Twitter account. Probably don't update it as often. Um, feel free to contact me. You're welcome to check out the music. I play country blues music. I put on there Americana. You know, it's it's uh, comes from the folk world, blues and folk revival. Uh, I was just going to say this um, This music I'm playing is, is very storytelling mm-hmm. heavy. It's music that came from processing. So I'm, I'm probably always trying to say something adequate <laughs> about what something I felt, mm-hmm. something I feel is adequate. Um, so the genre is Americana country blues. Um, would love for you to come check me out if you're listening. If you're wanting to have music like this in your house, love you to book a house show or love to come play at your venue. All tell right. some stories and have a good evening of music. That sounds exciting. And uh, so do you have your, your show dates and stuff on, on matchcoats.com? I do. Uh, there's a calendar page. You can go to see what's coming up. Um, more to come in the future. There's an album called Thoughts of Home that hopefully will come out later this fall or winter. Mm-hmm. And there's going to be some really good fiddle sounds on there, along with a upright bass and a little banjo. But the music's a little bit more Mississippi John Hurt. You know, it's kind of between John Hurt and Doc Watson. If so, you like those names. Um, just a quick question: sure. do, you, do you have anything out on SoundCloud now, or anything that people can kind of just get a taste of, or not yet? On, it's okay. On the website, you can. Um, there's a link that will take you to a, a demo of the album. So all the tracks for the album will be on there for you to listen to. Some of them have accompaniment. Some of them don't. And I did see a YouTube video mm-hmm. earlier. So do you have some YouTube stuff out there too? Gabriel N. Akins is my YouTube channel, and there are plenty of videos for you to go and hear me by myself. If you're oh, curious awesome! About that. We'll, we'll we'll put all those links in the show notes, and um, and so people will be able to get to you if they will if they go to the show notes. Absolutely. Um, and if they don't go to the show notes, then of course <laughs> they can reach out directly to me, and I will point them to you, or they can reach directly out to you. Absolutely, and please do. If 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 any of this connects with you, I'd love to be in touch. Well, man, thank you so much for stopping by. I had a blast. Um, I, I hope we get to do it again sometime. But thank you for being here. It's, it's been great. And likewise, Elliot, I appreciate you uh, making space for this. How was that? Pretty amazing, huh? I don't know about you, but I learned so much. Like, it, it was really almost kind of like hanging out with somebody who had some sage advice I hadn't heard before, some fresh looks and perspective on things, which is, you know, for me, refreshing. Uh, I mean, it was really, it was, it was just a great conversation. I hope you enjoyed it. One of the things that he talked about, and he and I had talked quite a bit before we actually got into starting the podcast itself, and we were talking about action and clarity. And you've, you've heard me before on this podcast say that action brings clarity. Uh, it's one of my favorite Marie Forleo quotes is, you know, get out there and do it right. You'll, you'll become clear once you started to take action. And we were talking about that before the podcast and he mentioned the word a couple times in the podcast, but we really didn't delve into this. So I wanted to bring it up because it was important. I thought when I said, when I told him, you know, well, action brings clarity. So you have to get in there and do things. He said, you know why action brings clarity It's because of the contrast between not doing something and doing something. And 
when you see that contrast in your life, it makes it easier for you to adjust and to make uh, corrections or pivots or changes that you want to because you have a contrast. That's why when you move from one location to another, you can learn things about yourself. You can learn things because you have some contrast to it. You're not just sitting in one place taking in the same information. You've got new information that's coming in all the time because of that contrast. I personally thought that was an amazing concept. It was something I hadn't heard anyone ever talk about before. I've heard people say, you know, from the from the Nike slogan, just do it, to Marie Forleo saying action brings clarity, to other folks saying, you know, take action and so forth. No one ever really said why. And I I thought it was just very, very insightful to be able to go, wait a minute, it's because of the contrast. And that was something that Gabriel and I talked about before we got onto the podcast that I really wished had made it onto the podcast. I'm going to have to just start recording people from the minute that, that we get together, all of the conversation, and then that way I can put in, in some other pieces because it's happened to me a number of times on, on these podcasts where there were a number of things that we talked about before or after the podcast that I really wish had made it into the podcast. And so we're going to have to, I'm going to have to work on that a little bit more, find a way to do that to make it really, well, really good. But I just wanted to share that particular piece of it with you. Now, you can go out and you can find Gabriel. You can find him on YouTube. Check the show notes. Uh, you know, there's a lot of different places that you can listen to the podcast. You know, you can listen to it uh, pretty much anywhere, right? Stitcher, uh, TuneIn, uh, Apple Podcasts, uh, all of them, right? I mean, Google Play, it's all it's all there. You can listen to the podcast wherever you, wherever you want to. But if you go to the actual um podcast website, which is uh, from Captivate. It's actually a Captivate.fm, uh, who is my our podcast host. If you go to that Plain Ordinary Dragon website, you'll see all the different links to the, the show notes. That's where the show notes live for the moment. And so you can go there and you can check out his YouTube site and you can go out there and check out matchcoats.com. And so there's a lot of really great ways that you can connect with uh, Gabriel if you'd like to. Uh, you, of course, you can reach him on uh, on Instagram, uh, Bumping Gums. And of course, you can always reach out to me and I'll be happy to point you in his direction. But don't forget the show notes if you want to check his stuff out. And I highly recommend it. He does have a really, I, I listened to some of his music before I even met him. And he has a really great folk tradition, Americana style. And it's definitely worth checking out. Um, it's definitely worth listening to the voice that he's putting into the world. Once again, I just want to say thank you for being here. Thank you for taking the time at Plain Ordinary Dragon. Don't forget, you might be plain and you might be ordinary, but you're a dragon and you can do amazing things. We'll talk to you soon.